1: ¿Qué ha pasado en la isla? No lo sé. Por favor, tranquilícese. ¿Qué ha pasado en la Ante anoche, a eso de las once y empezaron las voces y la risa.
0: flores de acónito
1: y una cruz de plata atravesando su corazón. Que Dios nos ayude. Por favor, señor ves, no lo haga. No la toque. ¡Estamos en peligro aquí en el cementerio! ¡Rápido, venga inmediatamente!
0: ¿De dónde has sacado esa basura? ¡Oh, ¡Dímelo! ¡Dímelo! ¿Qué porquería! ¿Te empiezas bien, como tu padre, tetas. Eso era lo único que le preocupaba.
1: El siguiente informe dirigido a la Real Sociedad Británica de Geología, por el abajo firmante Alexander Saxton, es una relación fiel y verídica de los sucesos acaecidos durante la expedición de dicha sociedad a Manchuria. Poco Hello, and
2: welcome again to Arises from Spain. This is Mistress Alina once again. Did you miss me? Only one month has passed since last time, but I have to tell you that I miss you so much. Remember that I have an email ad that is horizonshospain at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us, better me, <laughs> on Facebook, on Spanish Via Facebook, and also on Twitter, and on Instagram, where I upload funny material, and also a star like liking you know, all YouTube, to channel, because maybe a surprise will be post soon. Remember that what arises from Spain is Spanish via that car. And if you go to the site, you will discover a paypal button and what's this for, just in case you want to donate something for poor and delicious mistress. <laughs> and now let me tell you be tuned, because in the, at the end of February, in March, maybe the beginning, great news will be post. We are going to do something really, really big together with one of our sponsors, Generación X, Generation X, the one I visit from time to time, and is the best comic store in Spain, and also they play a lot of ball games, I was the other day (laughs) and I was really surprised, watching people throwing dices and moving spaces and many, many other things, so pay a visit if you come to Spain, they have a lot of different stores around the country, and, okay, if you go to spanishfield.com you're going to read the amazing review Robert Molnell that's maybe, <laughs> will be with us for this show. I say maybe because I'm recording my part while Robert is fighting against the viruses there are in United States. He got the flu, so who knows? He may not recover. Ah, yes, he will. And at the end of the show, he will be with us, but I don't know the topic of the thing. You know how this works. But I hope Robert is totally recovered and says things with sense, not like me. Okay, and so, if you read the review, it's about White Dolls, the Jazz Franco Blu-ray, released by Full Moon, that now has just been released and Robert loved. Um, also, available now, a trailer for Love Strip. The documentary, the TV, YouTube, I don't know how to say, the online series about Pepe González, the illustrator, of Vampirella, and many others That, of course, this school is from Spain, you know. <laughs> Soon, episode number 4 will be available, but uh, you can enjoy the trailer, that is something many people are doing. And on DVD, new on DVD, stop over hell held at his latest Mati movie, the Euro-Western, that he did last year. And also coming to Blu-ray, we have El Caminante by Paul Nassi. Everybody is expecting this release. <sighs> but I don't receive any American releases. So, companies, if you're listening to me, send it. I want to review them. And maybe for the beautiful surprise I will have in February or March, it will be essential for you that I have my Blu-ray edition of so many classics. As the one, South Factory, is premiering, you know, I think it's the Ghost Guardian, Ghost Guardian, Oh, it was The Night of the Seagulls. I don't remember now. It's the Osorio movie that uh, will have... Uh, Nasi Custers, Scott Barnard, and Troy Ginn, all your commentaries. So, you know, owner of South Factory, Vinegar, Syndrome, and Full Moon, don't forget my address. As for it on Horizons from Spain, at email that's gonna send me all the material. I need it. <laughs> I'm poor. I'm Spanish, you know. And, by the way, talking about Nazi casters, they have a new episode on the Coast Galleon. And you know, in the Coast Galleon, the main star is Jack Taylor. And, who got an interview to Jack Taylor? Yes me and you can read it on spanish that oh spanish.com now spanishfield.com and not from the tourist office um el buque maldito number 28. Bu- buque maldito is the ghost guardian it, you know i'm linking everything so great <laughs> it, no, it's not me today so okay, el buque maldito it's a fancy in spain i think the best one nowadays uh, just uh, Polish number twenty-eight. I did a little review on Instagram. You know, on Instagram videos cannot be longer than one hour. Ooh, one hour, one minute. Come on, people! So my reviews are so short. I will need your help soon for something longer, maybe with images, so you can see, Mister. Um. Also on SpanishFear.com, you can read a review of. A missing film, a lost movie called 99.9, The Frequency of Terror by Villaronga that I brought some weeks ago and is a movie that you would love. And now, after saying all this, let me take a minute of relax. Listen to the exotic ones from Nashville, Tennessee and stamp this town some that I love and I hope you love too. If you like it, check them on Facebook and you will be updated with their sales. And now I need some water and I will start with the topic of this show that is let well, Let's
0: get
1: La historia de un país es también la historia de sus crímenes, de aquellos crímenes que dejaron huella.
2: show I wanted to choose something special, something that may be, you know, unknown for you. In this case I'm covering a TV show from the 80s and 90s that um, was quite famous here in Spain and you may want to see after this. The name of this show is La huella del Crimen, in English, The Footprint of Crime. You know, in some cultures, like for example the British one, they are obsessed with crimes, Sherlock Holmes, Agatha Christie, and those kind of things. They are obsessed with the idea of how to solve a crime, how all the elements, who the killer is, etc., etc., etc. In Spain, we in Spain, in Spain, <laughs> we also have a kind of delight feeling towards crime. But in our case, we're based on all that turban, in all that disgusting elements of the crime. All the blood, all the sexual abuse and all the movements of the killers. So, this is essential to understand kind of Spanish culture. In some cases, we call this the Deep Spain, because in the Deep Spain, in villages, and so there is always a really, really powerful killer. But also in the cities, as you will see, so, the footprint of crime was a show on Spanish state television. I think I have said this so many times, but it was not till the 90s when in Spain we have more than two TV channels. We only have two, This called the first and the second, that was from a state television. There was not a problem of audiences and so. But... um In the 90s, all the private TV channels started and everything changed. But we're referring to the time in which only this was broadcast on TV. So, the whole country was just watching. (laughs) And this show is based on real murders, on real killers on psycho killers that existed, and most of them are still alive. So, this show is really disturbing, creepy and disgusting, and it makes you thrill. (laughs) I sometimes cannot finish enough of the episode because of the nausea in body myself. Now, I know you have to watch it. <laughs> Basically, there were two seasons. One that was shown in 1985 and the other one in 1991. And also, there was a, they tried a third one with three episodes in 2009-2010, but it was not so successful. Let me tell you, that for long in Franco Times in Spain, there was a very famous publication that was called El Caso, The Case. And in this publication, the most bloody cases were published. And people love it. And we still have some idioms in Spanish containing El Caso. (laughs) So just imagine how hard the feeling was. But now, let me tell you that these episodes were directed by really famous filmmakers. We are talking about Vicente Aranda, we are talking about Javier Bardem and many others. I'm not going to give you a whole list of episodes because it will be very boring. I just uh, choose some of the most important directors and their episodes, and the most important crimes in Spanish culture. Culture, no, history, but this in not culture in a way. Okay, doesn't matter. Let's start with the episodes directed. Sorry, but I needed a notebook, so I'm just to remember all the different cases, because I know you think they're the best ones so intelligent and, you know, but sometimes I need a little help. <laughs> Okay guys uncles. So the first director working on this, the one who directed the first episode was Javier Barden. Javier Barden is related to Barden, Penelope Cruz's husband <laughs> It was uh, his uncle, by the way. Um and he Javier Barden is responsible of um Movies such as *The Death of a Cyclist*, I think it's a masterpiece. You haven't watched it, go and watch it and do it. And *The Corruption of Chris Miller*—that's a movie you may be familiar with. So this first episode is dedicated to Harabo. Harabo killed four people in two days. Harabo <laughs> was a parasite married to a rich British woman who gets into trouble after selling one of his wife's ring. And in order to have it back, he starts, you know, an infinite will of (laughs) martyrs. It was not a good idea. Um, This was the director of Javier Van but Vicente Aranda, the the one responsible of the blood splatter wife, um, directed two episodes. One is about uh, the cri- Capitán Suárez crime, murder, that took place in 1913, and it's a military captain who killed his daughter, fiancé, but we discover that he abused, sexually abused her daughter, and also he uses for for his business in order to get money from, from other men. And the other one he directed is called Amantes Low Burst, that it turned out to be a feature film with Victoria Abril, Jorge Sanz, and Maribel Verdú. That is one of his most famous movies. It was part of the footprint of crime. <laughs> you just can't imagine, it's about a triangle between the three figures. Love triangles never have a happy ending. <laughs> Um, so this was Vicente Aranda episodes. Then, Angelino Fons, you may not be very familiar with this one. He was very famous because he adapted all the liter- literature classics uh, for movies, uh, ones from Galdós and, and many others. And he directed one of the most famous episodes that is El Crimen de la Calle Fuencarral, Fuencarral Street Crime. You... No, this crime, because uh, Edgar Neville got a movie about it in the 40s, <laughs> with this, okay, one of his most famous movies, and it's important, because this was the first crime to hit the media, the newspapers in Spain. It happened in 1888 in Madrid, and it. Um, what happened was that a lady, an old lady, was killed in her house, here in Fuencarral Street in Madrid. And the maid was accused, but she was not the killer, or was she? <laughs> a lot of mystery around this one. Um, I also recommend you Neville movie, because every Edgar movie, Net Bill movie, is worth <laughs> La Torre de los siete jorobados The Seven Hounds Tower, is you know masterpiece of black and white cinema sci-fi in Spain. <laughs> and now another filmmaker, very famous one, who directed one of the episodes for the footprint of crime was Pedro Olea. Pedro Olea is responsible of one of um, one of the movies that I loved um, the most about werewolves. We are not talking about Puglnasi, you know. We are talking about real werewolves. It's kind of uh, in the forest, in the north of Spain, etc. It's called El Bosque del Lobo. In English, it's called Anseign's Boots of Forest. I don't remember. Um, José Luis López Vázquez is the main character. And if you have the chance, please go and, and watch it. You're gonna love it because it portraits in the perfect way all the Spanish legends in the north. Because the north of Spain is not flamenco, it <clears throat> is more than that. It's Celtic, it's mystery, witches, and so on. So, Pedro Lea directed El Caso, the case de las envenenadas de Valencia, of the poison women from Valencia. That is something that happened in 1959, a real case. And what's important about this case? This case was the starting point, the inspirations for Berlanga's executioner. You know El Verdugo by Berlanga? Because if you remember, the the killers of these two (laughs) girls were about to be killed by the executioner. And then we have Ricardo Franco. Ricardo Franco, very famous, especially for TV and also he directed Pasqual Duarte, Camilo José Tellin, inspired movie. Directed another two of the episodes. Uh, one uh, is El caso del cadáver descuartizado. It's like uh, the case of the uh, quartered dead body or something like that, I don't know. Mm. And, and this is one of my favorite cases. Okay. Yes! Let's see. <laughs> Everything happened in 1929 when Pablo Casado, an industrial man from Barcelona, homosexual, is in my in his twenties. His body was found in a wooden box inside a wooden box in Atocha, that is Madrid train station. What happened? Oh. You will have to watch it, to know, but I think this is one of the creepiest episodes (laughs) in Spanish crime history. And the other one he directed is El Crimen de las Estanqueras de Sevilla, the crime of the tobacco dealers, the female tobacco dealers in Seville, in Seville, 1952. Two female tobacco dealers were found dead. No robbery, nothing out of the place. Two kinkies, as we say in Spanish. Two bad guys, three, 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 not two, three bad guys accused. (gasps) What else? (laughs) And then, there was also an episode directed by Imanol Uribe, that is called El Crimen de la de Andalusia. It's like uh, Andalusian expressed <laughs> murder, And it's about a robbery that took place in that train in 1924. Uh, but more than a robbery, it was a, a bloodbath massacre or something like that. Very creepy indeed. <laughs> and the rest. Most of them were directed by Pedro Costa. Pedro Costa was the producer of the show. Um, He directed alone El caso del procurador enamorado. It's like the case of the uh, attorney in love. Um, This was also known in Spanish history as uh, belate crime. It took uh, place at the end of the 70s and... uh, it, uh, the story of an attorney from Franco Times that um, hired a mother to kill his wife, um, but he wanted the crime to be like an accident or something like that. It's also very creepy. Um, also, the case of Carmen Broto, it's a luxury prostitute killed in, 19, in the 1940s. Or so... Um, in this case, he changed a little all the, all the things around this case. It was a kind of comp- conspiracy. And so, not very clear what happened to her. And together with uh, Fernando Camara, he directed... Uh, okay. If in the review that is on Spanishfield.com, we have the story of Belmeth Faces, what I'm going to tell you now is one of the, I don't know, darkest episodes of Spanish history. Not only crime; It's a case that has obsessed the Spanish society for many years. And it is called Marqueses Lurquijo Murder, or Assassination. It was, um, they were a couple, a married couple. She, She was called Maria Lourdes. She was a noble and she was married to Manuel. And on August the 1st, 1980, they appear dead in their house. Their son-in-law was accused of a crime and he was in prison where he died. But, you know, future investigations show that he was not responsible for the crime. There were many things like the battle clean uh, with battle clean, the bottle clean the bottle cleaned, uh, pajamas. many many things happen around this case. From time to time, this case appears on the news or on a special show, etc. Um, there are so many books written about this that you cannot believe it and nobody, nobody knows. The truth yet. If you want to look for some information about this crime, even on Wikipedia in English, you have it. An obsession in Spanish culture. <laughs> and together also with uh, Fernando Cámara, the one he directed Marqueses Durquijo with, we have uh, about um, one, is called El Asesino del Círculo, The psycho murder and it's about a psycho killer from the 90s very famous very famous one um, also he did one with uh, luis oliveros that is called El sequestro de Anabel. is about uh, anabel seguras kidnapped and also her killing it was very sad now i don't like it this, too much I, I, the, the the TV show was really amazing and it showed a lot of different cases, murders and so in the Spanish way, as I told you when I started, but I think it's, it was very cool when they covered, you know, cases that were far in time, but when you start with cases that are so close in time, it's not so cool, <laughs> call me crazy. Ana, let's just rest for a moment. Let's just see what's happening next.
1: Quisiera comprobar la influencia de la joven dama sobre mi fortuna. Espero que no sea imprescindible tenerla sentada a mi derecha. Hoy es mi día bueno. Sin moverte. Quieta Fernando Guillén, Victoria Abril, José Ferró y Maribel Verdú protagonizan El crimen del capitán Sánchez, dirigidos por Vicente Aranda. Incestuoso y jugador, el capitán Sánchez no dudó en matar a su amigo Rodrigo García Jalón cuando éste pretendió vivir con su hija María Luisa. La vida criminal del capitán salió a la luz a mediados de 1913. La huella del crimen, esta noche a las 11 en TV1.
0: Is that the woman in the portrait? How did she die?
1: She didn't die. She was found spattered with blood, wearing a wedding gown. Next to the body of her husband. She killed her husband on the wedding night. Why? It's because he tried to make her do unspeakable things. Look, only the birth date is given. They waited for two years before they decided to bury her. But they never managed to take the dagger away from her hand.
0: The woman's been in this room. I saw her. She spoke to me, and she left this.
1: Nightmares are always the expression of a powerful desire, which instead of being accepted by us is rejected and repressed. Did you hide the dagger under the pillow?
0: No, she's lying.
1: There exists in the human female an undeniable aggressive tendency when she is eventually confronted with the loss of her virginity. Oh,
0: quiet. Uh, Don't move. I love you. I don't hate you. I think you like it when he hurts you. I don't love you. I hate you.
1: It is by no means uncommon in dreams to have thoughts of hatred and desires of revenge and death directed at the persons for whom in real life we feel the greatest affection.
0: (laughs) Get him out! Get closer to him, slash his face! Find his heart and cut it out!
1: There exists in the human female an undeniable aggressive tendency when she is eventually confronted with the loss of her virginity, an event of supreme importance to her and which is for her desirable and abhorrent at the same time. Some modern specialists call this the Judith complex.
2: After this little break, we have here, back again to the show, Totally Recover, and, you know, I didn't find him. Here it is, Robert Monell. Welcome.
3: Welcome, Elena. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you very much.
2: Thanks for coming back to the show. You know, we have some kind of crazy times here.
3: Yes, I always enjoy talking with you about these
2: films. (laughs) So today, Roba is going to talk about one release related to Vicente Aranda. I mentioned Vicente Aranda before in the show, because when I was talking about La Huella del Crimen, I talked about an episode that's called Los Amantes, the Amantes uh, no, from the 90s that it has started as an episode of the TV series. And Robert Monnell is going to present a great Blu-ray release of his masterpiece, mentioned before in the, in the previous episode by Kat Ellinger, Blood Splatter Bride by Mondo Macabro. Is true?
3: Yes. Okay. Well, this is... Uh, definitely a classic Spanish horror film, and uh, it's basically about this whole concept of machismo, Latin masculinity. It's a noun defining that as aggressive male pride, chauvinism, or toughness towards other men or women. That's really the theme of the film, but it's taken, the film itself is taken from a short story by Sheridan Fanu. I'm going to talk about that a little bit. That's discussed in the excellent commentary by Kat Ellinger and Sam Deegan. Now, The Blood-Spattered Bride, to me, is one of the most iconic Spanish horror films of the 1970s. I personally first saw it in a cut, grindhouse-type print at a drive-in in in 1973 on a double bill with I Dismember Mama. The Blood-Spattered Bride has since proved to be the keeper of that double bill and has achieved the status of being a cult movie classic I also rented this film out in a cut video version in the late 1980s. I think it was called Till Death, Do Us Part, and later purchased the Anchor Bay 2000 VHS in their later digital release, which was presented in standard definition on the Daughters of Darkness Blu-ray. Now, this Mondo Macabre presentation, in my opinion, is the definitive release of this delirious 1972 cocktail of bloody violence and sexual confusion which results from the bad marriage of he played by simon and drew who is a confirmed male chauvinist who at one point drags his young bride by the hair and forces her to have on-demand sex with him which is often this psychological drama turns into a gothic horror film when a distant relative of the husband michaela karnstein played by Alexander Bastedo, seems to return from her centuries-old grave.
2: You know, I only I have only watched this movie once, uh, you know, I think from a bootleg or something. I'm not a big fan of Vicente Arama, and also mm-hmm. I, I wasn't a big fan of the movie. It was mm-hmm. time ago, so I, I may watch it, I am maybe the quality of the film was not good. Mm-hmm. Who knows? I may check these. these well, that's,
3: in, that's interesting, Elani, because the first time I mean I remember seeing this at the drive-in in a very bad print, 35mm at night and dark out. It, the film just seemed like a typical blood and gore, you know, foreign horror film. I, mean, I don't even think I realized at that time it was made in Spain. And, and then I saw it cut on video. It wasn't until I started to see better quality versions of it that it started to impress me. And now, uh, seeing it like this, I finally, I think, got the entire film, what Vicente Aranda was trying to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But in any case, I'd highly recommend it, and I'll just keep on discussing it here because the whole idea of her, this 200-year-old or so vampire, coming back to drink the blood of this 1970s bride, and she's in Spain with her husband, and they're driving around in a sports car, and... uh, then the bride starts having these fantasies of men coming and attacking her in a hotel room, and uh, the man in the fantasy looks like her husband. We're not sure about that. And then later she starts seeing this woman in lavender, a lavender wrap around on the porch of her family, husband's family estate, and we begin to feel that this this figure is definitely a fantasy figure. She then the bride begins to have nightmares where the the female vampire is with her and they cut her husband's heart out and Mirabelle Martin literally comes to blood spattered bride there's blood all over the place they rip the heart out it's, it's it's a very gory film and very daring to make that kind of film in Spain in 1970 or 71 or 72 when it came out it's almost like a, a an Italian gore film by Fucci, by Fucci at certain times and uh, there's a lot of nudity and Sexual situations in it too, yeah. so I, I, I'm, sure, I'm sure it was cut and banned in Spain at that time. Uh, yeah, but or,
2: Vicente Aranda is, is famous for all the sexual things, uh-huh. you know, because well, in La Pasión Turca and mm-hmm. also in Amantes and etc. He got um, an adaptation from uh, from a book that is called Si Te Dicen Que Caí. It's an amazing novel, and basically he based. Only on all the sexual intercourse that happened in the
3: book. <laughs> right right and that's the film is really very oriented around the whole idea of a sexual battle between the husband the bride and he the, the husband who and, and they both have problems she's very inexperienced and um, young and, and he's very much of this macho type who's <laughs> wanting to drag her around and have, to have sex all the time and He really degrades her and treats her like his own private property. That's really what the film is about. And at that time, women's liberation was just coming into consciousness, I think, of the Western world. And it really links up with that. I think what makes this film unique is that the writer-director uses the fantasies of the bride and the nightmares of her as a, a symbol of what was going on between men and women of that era and is still going on today, as a matter of fact. There's a there's a great battle of the sexes still raging out there in recent news, if you we, if we can get my drift on that. Now, we always wonder in the film if this Merkawa figure, this vampire, is a fantasy creation or an actual vampire returned from the past, which is later resolved. Uh, this film illustrates a battle of the sexes and themes of domestic abuse and social and sexual repression of women in 1970s culture. I think it's still a very relevant film in light of contemporary concerns of sexual abuse and harassment of women. And the husband is just called he in the film's credits, and he's never really named. So in in other words, he kind of comes to represent typical machismo attitudes of all men. Uh, Simon, Simon Andrew... Um, very good actor, um, effectively plays him as a self-deluding macho man who treats his new wife and that she's brilliantly played by Mirabel Martin, who is also in the Spanish horror classic of Bell from Hell. Mm-hmm. Um, he treats her like a personal slave, once again a possession.
2: Yes, yeah, Sim- Simon Andreu is a, a really a really good actor. He's been mm-hmm. in uh, many of uh, Eloy de la Iglesia and, and mm-hmm. many others, and, and he, he also worked for Hollywood, so I, I think he's, he's a master. I, I met him ten ago in a festival here in, in Madrid, called La Mano, mm-hmm. and, and he was uh, really, really, really nice, and he got a lot of, of different anecdotes. He's mm-hmm. a good friend of uh, Diana Pernalver, you know, the, the girl that appears in Brain Dad. And he came uh-huh. to see her, and we all met together. And we really have a good time. He's, you know, a gentleman.
3: <laughs> yes, and I'm going to talk about him in, in a minute. He's, he's featured in the hour long, two actually half hour long interviews by Huey Huber, and he comes mm-hmm. off as a very fascinating and uh, engaging gentleman. Now, this Blu-ray of all this is a stunning 4K transfer from the film's negative and features rich lavender, crimson, and blinding white color schemes. It's just a gorgeous pr- presentation and illustrates how artful and subtle Aranda's direction really is. And the director was a member of the 1960s-era uh, Barcelona School of Catalan-based directors who made experimental films, uh with transgressive sexual and political themes. Pedro Portobello, who made the experimental documentary Cuadacook about the filming of Jess Franco's counteract, was also a member of this. uh, And
2: uh, and Robert, do you know if this release is uh, free zone? I mean, it can be played also on uh, European DVDs?
3: I think it's it's an all... I think it, it's, it definitely plays on my NTSC system, okay? I think it's region-free, pretty much. I think you can play it anywhere. Uh, Mondo, Macabre's discs are sometimes like that. but uh, We'll have to check that out, but it, 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 de- it definitely does play on NTSC, and it's uh, pretty much playable, I think, in any uh, Blu-ray system.
0: Mm-hmm. Now,
3: this, this Blu-ray also has to be highly recommended for several hours of impressive special features. I think first and foremost, there's an engrossing, perceptive audio commentary by Sam Deegan and Kat Ellenberg. Now, they both host the Daughters of Darkness film podcast and are the writers behind Diabolic Magazine, mm-hmm. and they also mm-hmm. collaborated on the acclaimed 2017 genre in the book, Lost Girls, which uh, Sam Deegan edited. They really drilled down on this multi-layered film in this commentary. Uh, discussing the literary source, Carmilla, the story, uh, the previous films based on the La Finu story, and the skillful direction of Aranda. They really show you how he visualizes the themes like of knives and going into flesh and going into bread and how mm-hmm. they place characters. And it's a really impressive detailed commentary. They really uh, they're really comprehensive and uh, it presents numerous alternate ways in which to experience the film. It's, one, it's really one of the best commentaries I've heard of a vintage called horror film. And it gives you just a lot more than the typical IMDB factoids you might hear, and they, they leave you with a lot to think about. So that's just a shout-out to Kat Ellinger and uh, Sam Deegan on the great job they've done here. And there's also a riveting two-part interview with... The Spanish horror veteran Simon and Drew, and he talks about how difficult the shooting was. Uh, he reveals that there was concern about Mirabal Martin, who was it, who he claims was like underage, sixteen years old. when was, The shooting started, which is very young, and people were very concerned about that. And he also there's a lot of criticism about Mr. Aranda as, as a director. He claims he was more interested in staging the blood and gore, and really was not very communicative with him or the other actors, was arguing with the crew, and um, he just says it was a very difficult shoot because of Mr. Aranda's attitude, and apparently it was shot in English. So basically, uh, Aranda did not speak English, but he had direct (laughs) actors who were speaking the, the script in English.
2: Oh, interesting. I didn't know that.
3: There was also uh, a lot of talk about the whole idea that um, they were making this film under the Spanish censorship, you know, the censorship was in yes. that time, and Mr. Andrew did speak English, so he had to interpret for the other actors who were speaking in English, including the, including the American actor, Dean Selmier, who plays the role of the doctor in the film, who was actually in Andy Milligan plays in the early 1960s at the Cafe Chino. He went to Spain. And appeared mm-hmm. in this, mm-hmm. and he appeared in the Glass Ceiling, yeah, the uh, the I believe. And uh, he was an American actor. And, and Simon and Bruce says apparently he was also some kind of, you know, hitman or some kind of criminal. He claimed to be that he was, <laughs> you know, he was going around. Yeah. You know, doing crimes and shooting people. He actually wrote an autobiography about himself. He also talks about that. He also talks a lot about Alexandra Bestado, who plays the vampire, claiming she really hated being in the film. She didn't like all the sex and the violent scenes. She was more of a serious actress, and she thought it uh, was way over the top. And if you watch the film, she really appears to be very unhappy. You can see she's never smiling. She's... It really, it really act, I think, helps to make her character more menacing. She looks like she's very unhappy. And doesn't want to be there making this bloody Spanish horror film. Uh, he also has some very interesting anecdotes about working with Díaz D'Asorio, the guy who created The Blind Dead, and other Spanish horror films like The Return of the Vampire, which I just saw last night, a Jose Marie Zabalzo film, the man who directed uh, Fury of the Wolfman, which she says was just filmed and basically one 15-hour day he mm-hmm. just shot three cameras and talks about how it was a very difficult shoot it was shot like a play and there's also a 30-minute interview with the uh, Euro-Gothic author Jonathan Rigby the British author who gives you even more detail about the film and more interpretations of the film very fascinating to listen to him and also you know comparing it to the other commentaries uh, one deleted scene is also presented that. Supposedly, was an alternative ending that they were going to use, but decided to go with the one that we know, which it gives the violent climax another ironic twist. And I think it's actually improvement on the way that the film does end in the release version. I, I, it makes you want to wish, it makes you wish that they did use this alternative ending because it's a little more ambiguous. Yeah. Mhm. Now, there's also a 30 minute interview conducted by Mondo Macabro he tunes with the Spanish cinematographer, Fernando Arabas. He also criticizes the director for not communicating with him, well with him, and he details how they shot the scenes with some of the sex scenes, which were forbidden by the Spanish censors, and that's another fascinating interview.
2: Fernando and what?
3: Fernando Aribas,
2: mm-hmm.
3: as He was a cinematographer for the film. He also shot José La the Coming of Sin and some other Spanish horror films that era. It
0: mm-hmm.
3: goes into a lot of, He was a very experienced cameraman, and he's very. The film was really beautifully shot. He just goes into a lot of detail about how he had to concentrate and just do all this stuff. And apparently, he the director, <laughs> you know, wouldn't <laughs> communicate with him or never praised him or never really helped him out. But he did a very good job. Wow. And uh, really, this is just a great. Presentation with all this extra material and deleted scenes, and it looks great. I, I just want to highly recommend this um, Blu-ray presentation from *Mondo Macabro*. Certainly, the best this film has ever looked.
2: Is now out, or it will be? Uh, or it will and be released?
3: soon. It, it's been released. There's there's been a special edition that's been released, and now it's released to the general public. Mm-hmm. You can, go, I, I believe, you can get it. After, you can go to the Mondo Macabro a website, check it out, and, and they'll send, send you a print, you know, they'll send you
2: okay. it's
3: just a really highly recommended presentation.
2: Okay, great, we'll we will check it out, and also, Mondo Macabro, if you want to send a present to Spain, I will be so happy, <laughs> and now, uh, Robert, you wanted to talk about, also, about another DVD release related to Yes Franco?
3: Yes, I also wanted to recommend the new Redemption Blu-ray of the 1965 Jess Franco classic, The Diabolical Dr. Z, also known as Miss Muerta. I believe that's the way it was released in Spain. Under yeah. That now, this is scanned from breathtaking black and white 35-millimeter Gaulmont element, and um, it's really a, really a stunning presentation. Uh, very, very deep blacks and high-contrast photography. It really... Shows you how skilled Jess Franco was in making a very, very effective horror film. You know, it, it, it looks very, very atmospheric and uh, truly bottomless blacks and high contrast photography by L.A. Loya, another great Spanish cinematographer, is really presented to its best white here. Um, each each shot is really very, very impressive. It's, it looks, the film reminds me of kind of a Diane Arbus picture by way of the universal mad scientist horror about this female doctor who's getting revenge mm-hmm. because her, sci- her scientist father was driven mad and died because mm-hmm. of criticism because of his experiments with these Z rays. It's just a very, very, very fun, interesting, old fashioned horror film which reminds me a lot of the kind of 1940s universal horror, mad doctor type horror films. Uh, it, it's got the original French language track, of English subtitles, and the English language track. And there's a there's a knowledgeable audio commentary by Tim Lucas, who talks about the film's themes of mind control. And <laughs> this is the I think the best this Jess Michael film has ever looked. So yeah. it's really good. It finally gets an upgrade. And I just wanted to end by recommending that film to him. Also, a wonderful new DVD. Uh, I'm sorry, Blu-ray release.
2: <laughs> yes, thank you. I think that's the uh, you know, the first time in which we agree on a yes Franco movie.
3: <laughs> yes, it's really wonderful. Like I said, there was a there's there's there was a previous DVD release of this by Mando Macabro, mm-hmm. which is also very good, which has a lot of extras on it. Um, that that's an, that's an excellent presentation. But this this once again is a nice blu-ray upgrade of that dvd and it's really worth having i think for people who like the film
1: a candle for the devil ripping suspense as false virtues lead to a flood of crimes
0: You haven't told us anything about your latest guests. What can I tell you, Beatrice? You know all about it. I don't know how I put up with it. One must earn a living, otherwise...
1: A candle for the devil. What nice sisters. Pleasant. Hospitable. But underneath, full of hate for life. They can kill without pity.
0: Shameless Hudson in my house. What's wrong? You have the cheek to ask. Get up. Give me that. What? What? Get out of here. This isn't a whorehouse.
1: Fascinating performances by Aurora Bautista and Esperanza Roy as the sisters.
0: A child needs good examples to
1: follow. And you couldn't even give him a father. You're so mad. Get out of the way. Give me that. that. vengeance in their house of terror. <laughs> Directed by prize-winning Eugenio Martinez. Starring Judy Geeson, With Victor Winner. A candle for the devil. The owner, you. My name's Helen Miller. I called from Madrid to reserve
0: a room for three days. Hello.
1: You've taken a long time getting here.
0: Wait. But don't look.
1: in this village will keep you on the edge of your seat. the devil coming to this theater
2: to say goodbye again but no I don't want to say goodbye I will be with you all day so in order to be with me not letting me alone don't forget to follow me on Facebook Spanish Fear on Twitter also Spanish Fear and on Instagram and please start following us on YouTube you will find all the links on Spanish Fear.com. and something big is coming So, stay tuned, because I need you, okay? It's like, I want you from the United States posters. So, let me just say thanks to my sponsor, Generación X, you also have the banner on SpanishFiat.com and let me thank all the Japanese audience that I have. I'm really, really surprised Japanese people are listening to me. And They are almost 50% of the listeners of the show. So, konnichiwa. (laughs) I took Japanese years ago at university, but I cannot remember a thing. Okay, thanks for listening. Japanese, American, German, Thai, whatever. Ah, Your country is. You know that I love you. Please send your emails, proposals, or everything you want to horizonsfromspain@gmail.com. Sp- Remember that I love you all, and we will see each other very, very soon. Bye, bye.
1: Que ha pasado en la isla? No lo sé. ¿O fue algo ¿Qué ha pasado en el almacén? Ante anoche, a eso de las once y media, empezaron y las risas. <laughs> Flores de acónito y una cruz de plata atravesando su corazón. Que Dios nos ayude. Por favor, señor Vélez, no lo hagas, no la toque.